Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to New Books and Gender Studies, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Yana Byers, your host, and I'm here today with the author Tilly S. Bridges to talk about her new book, Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix, out right right now, June of 2023, with Bear Manor Media. Hi, Tilly. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, uh, so, hey, tell me a little bit more about what you do. What do you write? What are you? What's your? What's your stuff? What are you about? Uh, I am primarily a screenwriter. Uh, my wife and I are a writing team. Uh, we primarily focus on genre type stories. We've done TV work, comics work, uh, gaming writing, audio drama, scripted podcasts. We do a little bit of everything. That sounds really fun. It can be. <laughs> the writing part is fun, you know, all, yeah. managing um, all the egos sometimes that are involved with, uh, you know, big giant productions full of very uh, sensitive, creative people can sometimes be uh, a challenge. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but I think I, it sounds like the ability to just kind of geek out on all the stuff you love is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, I've always been like a giant uh, sci-fi fantasy fan. And so getting to write in that um, has just been a dream. Yeah, that you know, if you think about how few people get to actually do the thing they love the most, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's something I try to be sure that that uh, we don't ever take for granted, because we worked a really long time, really hard to get to where we are. And um, every day, you know, I got to pinch myself a little that I, I still get to do this. And that's pretty wonderful. I mean, not at the moment, but there's a, you know, giant strike going on in the Hollywood. But, but yeah, on the whole, it's, uh, it's really wonderful. Yeah, all right. Hey, so next question, when did you first meet the Matrix movies? I originally saw them uh, in the theaters, um, and that was long before I knew that I was transgender. Um, so it was extra long before I had actually come out. Um, so I, I always connected with them on this really deep level, even beyond just how cool they are as sci-fi action movies, which I, I really appreciate. But there was always something more that was, you know, I was identifying with something in it I couldn't identify. And it took me a very long time to figure out what that was. So it really resonated. Did you also, you just enjoyed them as well, right? Gonna... Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think just in terms of, you know, uh, sci-fi action movies, they're fantastic. And the first one, especially, it was very um, revolutionary. It changed the, the genre and the medium in all kinds of really important ways. Yeah, I remember just being astounded. Like I had just seen nothing like it, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It really was a game changer. So do you still love them? Oh, yeah. I love them even more now. Although now I'm at the point where I I can't even really see them on like the surface sci-fi story level. I Because I spent so much time working on uh, the allegories and everything that's bubbling just under the surface. that and, and what I found was so important and it meant so much to me that I can't see them any other way now. So mm-hmm. um, that's okay, though, because there's a lot of other 
sci-fi action movies out there that are also great and that I can love on that level. And this one is, you know, its own very special thing. Sure. Yeah, I was thinking that when I was reading through that you could probably, um, it seems like you could just probably quote it, right? Like right now, start the film in your head and go with it. Probably not. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, my memory is very bad at that kind of thing. So I can see a movie 50 times and I'll still get quotes wrong um, because I remember like the gist of things, but not the specifics. It's That's why I write <laughs> things down. Um, <laughs> I yeah I hear you well and I I don't I don't trust people who do have like when people say they have excellent memories I think they're wrong right everyone thinks they have a good memory or <laughs> I don't know well, I don't except everybody except me <laughs> yeah and me as well I have a terrible memory getting worse too um all right so this book so has the idea of this book been percolating for with you for a while or when did they, when did the, you decide you were going to take this on yeah, so I didn't ever actually decide to do it. This is what I call an accidental book. I, I didn't set out to write it. Uh, I didn't even know it was going to happen. Um, when I came out publicly uh, as a trans woman in the summer of 2020, I wanted to use uh, all of the privilege that I still had because I have so much more than most trans people. I'm very, very, very white. And on top of that, even in terms of my transness, I didn't lose my wife or my family or my home or my job. I wasn't financially struggling. And that's sadly the case for most trans people. And so because I have so much less to deal with than everyone else, I thought I wanted to use my privilege to try to help people if I could. And I'm a writer. So I started, uh, I thought maybe I could write things. And I started chronicling my transition and talking about trans issues and things about society that you probably don't notice if you're not trans. Once you're outside of that gender binary, you can see all kinds of things you couldn't see before. And um, it wasn't too long after that uh, the Wachowski sisters, who wrote and directed the Matrix films, uh, released some quotes saying that they uh, had intended them to be uh, trans allegories, that they were talking about their transness in them. And then everyone, I was already writing about trans issues and everyone knew I was a screenwriter. And so they kept asking me, what does this mean? What are they talking about? What are these movies saying? And so I thought, well, I always loved the movies. I hadn't seen them since realizing I was trans and transitioning and coming out. So I thought I'll watch it again and I'll get a great essay out of it. And I didn't know it was going to be as deep and specific and layered and amazing as it was. And so that turned into uh 24 essays across the entire franchise. Uh, and by the time I finished that, I said, hey, guess what? There's there's enough for a book here. So yeah, it wasn't um, a project I ever set out to do. It was just something that kind of happened. That's uh, pretty wonderful. <laughs> this, just, this wonderful thing happened to you. I love that. I'm like, oops, I wrote a book. Yeah. And I got to skip the intimidating part of like, oh God, books are so many words. That's going to be really hard. I'm a screenwriter. Scripts don't have that many words. I like that. They're short. You finish them quickly. Uh, books are very different. So I got to skip the whole you know, anxiety and worry because I wasn't thinking about writing a book ever. So I, I kind of cheated, I guess, a little bit. Um, and this isn't specifically book related, but you also do Trans Tuesdays on Twitter, Just a nice alliteration. Right, yeah, that's um, the the essays that I started writing. I post them to Twitter and Facebook. Um, they're also all archived on a website uh, that they, people can read at TillysTransTuesdays.com. Uh, it's also a podcast now. 
uh, and there's over a hundred of them. They are all entirely free. They run the gamut of uh, trans issues from basic trans 101. If you don't know anything about trans people and you'd like to learn the basics, there's a whole section about trans life and what it's like to exist as a trans person in this world. There's a whole section on trans representation in the media, uh, which of course the matrix is a big part of. And then there's a whole section for uh, cis people on how to be a good ally and why it's so important and why we need good allies and and how to be a good ally. Um, so they're all broken down and archived and they're there forever. So um if folks are interested, you can check those out. Right. So we have this book. That's a good way to start, folks. Um, and then yeah, all yeah. this other material as well. So, uh, yeah, so it feels like you're doing, um, I mean, doing some really cool work. And then it's also such a, you've created such a great resource. It feels like community service, too. Well, that was, yeah, that was part of the hope. You know, I wanted to be able to, to uh, give back to all of the, the people that have, helped me so much because there's a, a real um, thing in the trans community um, where when for, for people who transition as adults, especially uh, like as a kid, I didn't know trans was a thing you could be. I just thought the world was broken and I didn't understand why. And I thought everyone felt this way. I thought everyone had what I now recognize as uh, gender dysphoria. Um, so there's a very real thing where we can, when, when we see other trans people out there living their lives, being happy after transition, showing that it's possible, finding joy, um, it inspires us to think that we could do it too. And uh, there were so many uh, trans people, especially trans women, especially trans women writers, who made me feel like I could come out and be myself and be happy and still have a writing career. And uh, that's very, very real part of what made me feel like I could do it. And so I wanted to be able to give back to others and hopefully provide that for them and to to help cis people um, better understand why it's so important and what it's like to be us. And um, so, you know, that's my hope. I just I just want to help people. All right. Um, yeah, I'm jumping far ahead here, but one of your, your takeaways really at the end is the idea that, and I'm quoting, a strong visual language makes the impossible possible. Yeah, and I feel like this is a good time for you to tell us what you mean by that. Sure. Um, so the Wachowskis do this really brilliant thing in the Matrix films where they use color very specifically. Different colors mean very specific things and combinations of them mean very specific things. And they use that to visually tell a lot of the uh, allegory of the movies. And what I found was uh, really surprising is that I also covered the Animatrix, which was a series of short animated um, films set in the Matrix universe that were made by other creators that the Wachowski sort of just oversaw in a production capacity. And all of those also fit the allegories all the way through. And I was really surprised by that. I thought for sure they would not work there because it's completely different writers and directors and they didn't know what these allegories were or how all the colors were working and what they meant. But I, it gets to the point where you're like, well, if the Wachowskis were overseeing this, they could simply say, let's make this door red. And the creator would be like, well, I don't care what color the door is. Sure. That's fine. But by doing that, it makes the trans allegory of it fall right in line with where the movies are. And so all of these, uh, cisgender 
writers and directors who made those shorts were telling their own stories that they wanted to tell that also worked on an allegorical level simply because they followed the same visual language of the universe that the Wachowskis set up and oversaw. And so um, that kind of blew my mind in that these people who didn't even set out to do that and probably still don't even know it's there were still able to contribute to part of it and say really important things about uh, trans life just by conforming to that same uh, visual aesthetic. And, you know, again, probably without even realizing they were doing it. And I think that's, that's a really magnificent thing. I think that's a really magnificent thing as well. And I think um, it's part, I think of the normalizing of this, the normalizing of trans that is part of this project, right? The celebration, the joy, the normalizing and making trans accessible. I mean, yeah, that's that's the hope, right? Because um, we shouldn't have to uh, have to write all of. I shouldn't have to write a hundred essays explaining to people what it's like to exist as myself in this world. Um, it should just be a normal, everyday thing. But unfortunately, we've been so suppressed and oppressed through history that uh, it's very, very much needed. So, um, yeah, the more normalized we become, the better things become for all of us. Right on. All right. Hey, and uh, let's just be clear on this. The idea that the Matrix is trans allegory isn't like some kind of hunch or feeling or interpretation, right? Right. It's absolutely true. I mean, it was made by two trans women and um, they have there are quotes from the Wachowskis saying that it was intentional, but then they sort of walked it back a little um, because people were like, I guess, misinterpreting that. And what they meant to say, they've, they've later clarified, was that they didn't set out to make trans movies. They set out to tell an amazing sci-fi story. And then I believe the quote from Lily Wachowski was, and then they got their trans all over it. So it is very much there. They know it's there. They intended it to be there, but that was not their their goal when they set out. It's just that as two deeply closeted trans women at the time, it's just what happened through their work. It, and it's, it's amazing and completely understandable because I look back at my own work uh, long before I knew I was trans. And I can see right now that I was working through really complicated gender feelings I was having, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. So at the time, if you said, are you working through uh, feelings on gender? I would have said no. And they would have said, are you writing about being trans? I would have said, no, what are you talking about? This is just a cool sci-fi story. But I look back now and I absolutely was doing all of that. So, um, you know, subconsciously, we're always working through these issues that we're dealing with in our life through our art and our work. And so that's just going to come through, you know, your identity. You can't separate yourself from it. And there's always going to be bits of you in your work. Mm-hmm. Sure. So when I got the press for this, it was described as frame for frame, which I didn't think was literal. And it, it almost is. Right? <laughs> almost. Not, not quite, but, not but quite. It, yeah, it's close. <laughs> I'm reading along and, uh, and I'm reading along thinking like, oh, the movie's happening in real time here. Um, how did you decide to do that? Like, what, what was the process there? Yeah, that was another thing that um, it wasn't a decision. It was sort of a necessity. When I uh, started watching the first movie to, to take notes and write what I thought would just be one essay, um, I had to pause it like every 10 to 15 seconds because I was noticing new things that were deeply trans and spoke to the trans experience. And so I had to keep stopping it to take all of these notes. And once I realized that I had so much to talk about, you know, like every few seconds, and that so much of 
the allegory was conveyed visually through what you see or don't see on the screen. And that it's really important to stop and look at what they're showing you and not showing you at those moments that I felt this was really the only way I could do it because otherwise it would just be paragraphs and paragraphs of text, but you wouldn't know where it was coming from or you would I've missed it because some of this stuff flashes by really fast or it's very subtle. Uh, and sometimes it's very not subtle, but uh, it was, it was really the only way I could do it and explain to everyone else what I was seeing and feeling from it. Mm-hmm. And you do a lot of pay attention to this. This is going to matter later. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll come back to this. And- um, because there's there's just the the storytelling is really intricate and it's so visual and so you know so stunning that there's just a lot of like putting pins in it and it's very exciting. Um, yeah, there's a lot of um uh, things that they set up really early that they l- later do callbacks to, and if you're not catching all of those as they go by, you're going to miss the significance and the importance of it later when it comes back around. So I try to call all of that stuff out too. And, and I don't, you know, tell anybody, you have to remember this. I will always remind you of these things, but I point out the important things, you know, as they happen, as they go through and, and, and let you know that it, it will be coming back around, you know, it's all intentional. There's, there's a point to what they're showing you. Sure. Which is good storytelling on their part, but good storytelling on yours as well. Like you make it very easy to work through the films. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. you. That was, that was the the hope. Yeah. It's really nice. Um, I I just, as an, as a point of craft, I really appreciated it. Um, And so we don't have the time to talk you frame for frame. Um, But I was thinking we might just talk about like, is is there a particular character that you want to discuss and you want to tell us about and how that serves as a very good model? Uh, Well, I think if you want to talk characters, um, you have to talk about Neo because the entire uh, four movie series is about uh, that person's journey, that character's journey, Neo, from Thomas Anderson to Neo to Trinity. Uh, it's, It's one person's full transition journey. And most of the other characters in the film represent aspects of Neo's psyche. Um, So their conversations between them are one person trying to work out all of these very complex and complicated thoughts and feelings that they are having about their gender and transition. Um, So like when you look at the first movie, uh, Morpheus, and through all of the movies, uh, all of the characters maintain the same you know, representations. Uh, Morpheus is uh, Neo's subconscious. Uh, It's it's the subconscious that always knows your inner truth because your subconscious always knows it. Even now, you know, you look back through your life and you see all of these signs that, that you were trans that you didn't know that's what that meant at the time because your subconscious is always trying to get you to wake up and realize this. And that's, that's what Morpheus is. Um, And in the first movie, Cypher is Neo's doubt about whether or not he is actually trans and how he would kind of prefer not to be because life would be so much easier if he didn't have to deal with this. And um, so when you put the three of them together, Neo and Morpheus and Cypher, you have the the ego, the superego, and the id. And when you put all three of those together, you get a whole person, and that is Trinity. And of course, uh, she's a woman, and the other three are men. And Neo has to reconcile these supposedly male aspects of himself if he wants to achieve uh, self-actualization, which is what Trinity represents. And through the movies, um, you also see a lot of other characters represent different parts of his psyche. Um, the Oracle is his heart, where he's always searching for answers, but you know you can't rush your heart. It will tell you the truth when you're ready to hear it. Um, 
There's uh, Niobe, who's his confidence, and Locke, who is his fear, and other characters come to represent different doubts throughout uh, the, the film that you have during the course of transitioning to be your true self, because doubt is always changing, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's really bad. And, um, you know, Smith is always, um, he's like the personification of transphobia, and he starts as like the, the passive transphobia of society that uh, set up a world that did not even acknowledge trans people existed. And then through the course of the first movie and then through the sequels, he comes to represent active transphobia, which is the parts of society that will now acknowledge trans existence only so they can try to end it. Um, so there's, there's just so much going on uh, through these movies on a very intellectual, psychological level. Um, all of these internal monologues, which is what it boils down to when these characters are talking to each other and debating with each other. Um, they're all the things that, that trans people go through in our heads, trying to uh, break out of the lies, you know, that society told us about ourselves our entire lives and, and come to find our own truth. All right. So um, let's talk about these takeaways right, that you uh, you close with. So Paul Trans Opt Received. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's the, the first thing you see on screen in the first movie. It also ends with that. Um, and that pretty much sums up the, uh, I guess, the, the entire point of the first movie. Um, call is communication. And it's all about the communication between our conscious selves and our subconscious, uh, recognizing what we have in there. And then when you get to trans, that is pretty obvious what that means. Um, opt is choice right? Uh, you don't choose to be trans, but you choose whether or not you're going to transition, whether or not you're going to accept yourself or deny your own truth. And then the received is, what are you going to do about it? You've opened communication with your subconscious. You've discovered your truth. You have to make a choice. And are you going to listen to yourself and do that? Or are you going to reject your own truth and continue living a lie? That was so well done. That was exactly okay. Got it. Um, that's it's kind of a it's interesting to hear a whole movie wrapped up in a sentence. Good, good work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we do it for us, for them, for love. Yeah. So that's Reloaded. Um, where the main question of that movie is knowing how hard society makes it to exist as an out trans person. If we knew that going in, would we still have transitioned? And the answer is yes. But then the question becomes why? Why would we still have transitioned when a society made it so hard for us to live as ourselves? And the answer is because we love ourselves enough to know that it's worth it, whatever the cost, just to be us, to be live our truth, to be who we really are. And, it's, and as I uh, talked a little bit about before, uh, we do it for them. We do it for the trans people who are going to see us out there post-transition, during transition, uh, being happy, finding trans joy, being ourselves. The world opens up to you. Life is entirely different and it can make you so, so happy. And when they see that, they're going to be inspired to think they can do it too. So we transition uh, for love, for love of self and love of, of the trans people who are going to uh, need to see us and will come up after us. All right. Um, which are, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, that's, that's revolutions, which um, sort of posits uh, if trans people live in a society that hates us uh, for no good reason and wants to end us, 
what would society have to be in order for us to coexist peacefully? Um, what, what would you know, the cis people of society have to do to change society, to make it welcoming for all of us. And, you know, that, that also, that really boils down to choosing to not hate people for their differences or for any reason. Um, and there, there's a lot of hate, especially directed at trans people, especially right now in the world. And that's part of what, um, why cis allyship is so important because, um, the people who hate us won't listen to us, but they will listen to other cis people. And that's why we need those allies to stand up and say this is wrong. They're just human beings trying to live their lives without pain. You know, let's be kind to them instead of cruel. And so Revolutions is all about that, that we're stronger together and we should celebrate our differences rather than hate each other for them. And then it's never too late. Yeah, that's um, Resurrections. Uh, and in that movie, um, in the trans allegory, uh, Neo has detransitioned because uh, life as an out trans person was too difficult. It seemed impossible. And so he went back to living a lie. Um, and then he realizes it's wrong. Uh, that was the wrong decision. And that even though life was so hard, it was still worth it to be himself and to fight for a better world for everybody. And so uh, at that point, it feels like that was so long ago, I lost my chance and you haven't lost your chance. It is never too late to do the right thing. If you, uh, you know, detransitioned, it's never too late to transition back. If you uh, denied or didn't see your own transness, and no matter how old you are, when you finally realize it, it's never too late to become your true self. For cis people, it is never too late to be the ally trans people need. Even if in the past you didn't understand us, or even if in the past you uh, held actively harmful beliefs toward us, it is never too late to learn and change and become a better person. So when I was reading this, obviously, uh, trans joy, so important, and being a, a um, you know, visual, like being, being this demonstration that trans art exists and trans people exist, which seems so banal, shouldn't have to say it, but we do. Uh, <clears throat> I also thought about how important this book would be for a cis audience. Um, to, to be, for a cis audience to be aware that they've enjoyed a trans allegory, even if they didn't know it. Yeah, exactly right. Um, because uh, what you see, the reason that you enjoyed it is because trans stories are human stories. So even if you don't know what it's like to have to transition your gender presentation and go on hormone replacement therapy, you know what it's like to feel like uh, everyone's against you. You know what it's like to feel like you don't fit in. You know what it's like to feel like... Um, Everyone gets something that you don't and you don't understand why or to feel different or to feel ostracized to uh, I think even cis people, you know, you have moments of, well, what what do I really want? Not what society wants me to do, not what my parents want me to do. What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? And those are the same core questions and issues that trans people deal with. So I think the, the real beauty of it is that if cis people do connect with it, it is showing you how very much alike we are, and we are so much more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. um, this, it is, as you noted, a particularly, it's, it's never been a, a great time, but it seems like a particularly difficult time to be trans or anything that isn't quite, you know, the, the standard. Um, difference is not uh, being embraced right now, particularly at home in the States. But I felt, uh, this felt very hopeful, 
Yeah, is, I mean, I I, <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep a positive outlook on things, and I think it also is something that comes through um, in the Wachowskis' work in these movies because they do have a hope for the future. All of their uh, these films, but I think even through all of their other work outside of these films, they are permeated with love and acceptance and inclusion and a belief in a better world. And that's something that I believe down to my core. And so things are really bad for trans people right now. Um, But it's not all darkness forever. And there are good people out there. And the more cis people that wake up to what's really going on can help stop this. And we can find that better future together. And that's also imbued right in in the the Wachowskis' work um, through these movies. So uh, it's it's an ethos that I I really um, feel all the way in my heart. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on that for a while myself personally. Um, I so yeah I've taken up a lot of your time and thanks so much for meeting with me. So I've just got a couple kind of uh, final questions. But big one, what are you doing now? What's your next project? Um, I'm not sure actually. Um, my wife and I are, are working on a couple of different projects now uh, that aren't uh, screenwriting related because due to the WGA strike, we obviously can't work on any of that. So. Um, I'm not sure exactly what, what's going to come up. Um, we did uh, we did a bunch of animation writing uh, right before the strike ended. We worked on uh, season two of Monster High, an animated show that is very charming and very inclusive and very funny. Um, yeah, so um, it's still in season one now and it's animated and animation takes a long time. So that probably uh, all of our episodes won't air there till 2024, I think. But um, those are on the way. So that's probably the next big thing that you'll see uh, that I'm, re- uh, you know, somehow re- related to. That's really cool. And do you see another book in your future? Maybe. Uh, I have other ideas, but um, now I know, you know, how much work a book is. And so I'm like, ah, oh, now I have that anxiety and intimidation I got to skip the first time around. So uh, maybe we'll see. Um, you know, my, my book right now, uh, it's only been out for two days. So I'm going to see how this goes. Uh, give it a little more time. Uh, and uh, But maybe, maybe, you know, um, there's a lot of other media that uh, speaks to trans issues I could write about. There's a lot of other uh, non-trans things that I, I could write about. So um, I don't know, maybe. My, my wife and I are also considering possibly uh, work, working on a novel. We've never written uh, prose fiction before. All of our stuff, again, has been scripted. So um, we're batting around a bunch of different uh project ideas at the moment god that's so cool what a great place to be in though right now and you're like what world's your oyster that's great <laughs> well hopefully i mean it's, it's not quite our oyster but it would be nice if it was <laughs> well i mean that's that's the that's you know it's also intimidating anxiety inducing etc cetera, etc cetera. and this strike is is disastrous in a lot of ways and disastrous that it, it even has to happen but that's that's not the point of this talk uh but all right, once again, thank you so much for having this chat with me. Um, I really enjoyed reading the book and I've really enjoyed this conversation. So listeners, um, if you are interested, go to our website and you can click through the link or, you know, you can find this in all of your favorite retailers. Okay, Tilly, thanks very much. Have a great day. Thank you so much. This was great. All right, ciao.